may be seated. Turn around to somebody and say hello. All right, and then be seated. Amen. And amen and amen and amen. We've got a number of things we'd like to share with you. But first of all, I would like to say hello to all of our guests. We have a packet of material for you and a card to fill out so that we can get better acquainted. You're very welcome. We want you to know you're a VIP. So if you're a guest here today, this is your first time here, or the first time in a long time, would you slip your hand up? Anybody like that? First time or first time in a long time? All right. So nice to have you here today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And we've got a packet of material for you. And uh, if you would, fill out that card and place it on the offering place. We're so glad that you've come today. Let's give our guest a hand. God bless you. God bless you. That is wonderful. Right there. Right there in front of you, John. There you go. All right. Thank you so much. All right. And everyone is very, very, very welcome. All right. And uh, now, if you would, gentlemen, if you'd come and distribute these sign-up boards. We have cookies and carols coming up. It's an all-church activity. This Friday night, December the 8th, if you would, bake two to three dozen homemade Christmas cookies. Bring them with you. Dress and uh, expect a good time. And to fill that out, this is your last opportunity to do that. We're going to meet at 6 o'clock here at church. At 6.30, we're going to depart, go over to Fellowship House, uh, where uh, we have a ministry. We'll be there at 7 for Christmas caroling and a concert and cookies. So thank you so much for helping us out. Thank you for responding positively uh, in uh, this wonderful way. Thank you so much. We also have, gentlemen, if you'd come and... Uh, distribute these days of praise. Beautiful little booklets. They kind of match our bulletin today. It's for December, January, and February. Everybody get one and get one for the office or one for your uh, family member. Everybody take one. We'd love to have you do that. Thank you so much. This will help you in your devotions. And how many of you this year have been reading through the Bible? Raise your hands. We'll start again in January to read all the way through. Trust that you will. Be a participant in that. Christmas is coming, and out on the Welcome Center, the Visitor Welcome Center, we have a little half, excuse me, actually it's a full sheet, two sides, but it's folded up in half. Let's celebrate Christmas. I wrote this to help you with your Christmas celebration. It, it Also, we had a help for uh, Thanksgiving, and this is now for Christmas. Uh, we want you to take those. We also have some flyers to put up in... Um, where you work or around the area where you are, bulletin boards and so forth, and to pass them out to neighbors. And so if you would, Daquan, grab these down front on the, on the bench here. Okay, and let's get those to everybody. You can have one, two, three, four, five of these. They make good posters. They're good handouts. When you go to lunch today, hand them out. It tells about our Christmas activities, uh, our, of course, a very important musicale that's coming up, and our candlelights, which we'll have on Christmas Eve morning, that's the 24th, and then New Year's Eve evening, we'll have candlelight services coming up. Don't miss those very special times in our calendar year. We also have the Acts and Facts, uh, three different magazines out here, absolutely free. This is for kids, and uh, this is the, the one that's got all the technological stuff in it, and this is the one that tells you you don't just automatically or accidentally get what you get, but God has given us by design uh, the uh, various uh, creatures that roam this earth. All right. And then last but not least, 
a prayer reminder for everybody. Stop by our bookstore, get your Bibles, your gifts, and so on and so forth for this season. But we have in acrylic and in glass an ornament that says Merry Christmas 2023 Central Baptist Church. And you can remember to pray for our church and the people of our church. Those ornaments are 5 and $10. Once again, we're not in the business of trying to make money. If you didn't make it out on visitation yesterday because of the fog, we understand it hindered some folks, some went, but many have decided to go at another time, uh, at another time during the week. And we have, uh, and uh, Daquan will be happy uh, to give you assignments, and Tyler will be happy to give you packets, uh, visitation packets and tracks as we go out this week on visitation. Next Saturday at 9 o'clock, we will begin our Phil Virginia, Phil America campaign, and you want to be a part of that at 10 o'clock next Saturday. Between now and then, if you'd like to uh, hit a certain area, uh, doors with door hangers or uh, tracks, perhaps in stores, the mall, you may do so. We encourage you, and we'd like you to be part of that. For the uh, Phil America, the Phil Virginia campaign, we've got sign-up boards uh, out there in the foyer. And then down front, we also have sign-ups. And we're almost filled on the front page. We have a second page that is right here. After the service dismisses, I want everybody to come down and sign in alternating colors. We've got pens that are blue and red and black. And uh, this is going out to all of our missionaries. It'll be photocopied and sent out to 100, 150 missionaries. And they always comment back that they uh, see more names and they see old names with whom they are acquainted already. Praise the Lord. So I hope that you'll be part of the season. Sign up uh, in that respect. Sign our missions letter to go out and give greetings and joy to those folks that are serving the Lord all around the world. This uh, Wednesday evening, in addition to our Bible study, which is verse by verse through the book of Romans, we've just started. It'll be our second uh, episode, our second session in Romans. But we're also going to have our annual CBC business meeting. It'll be very brief. This Wednesday night at 7.30, we're going to vote. It has been unanimously recommended by the faithful men that all of the 2024 budget uh, equal the, the same as the 2023 budget, so nothing new on there, just combining one category under one heading, and that's it. And there'll be one additional nominee in addition to those that will be re-electing. Uh, we are going uh, to place in nomination unanimously from the faithful men the name of Eric Stewart. Eric, raise your hand. Eric has been a member now here for several years, and uh, Eric and Kim serve the Lord faithfully. Eric has been nominated unanimously to serve as a committee man in 2024, and let's give him a hand, shall we? Amen. Now, use those same hands to come out on Wednesday and vote for him. Amen. All right. Uh, he's not campaigning, though. But we, we are looking forward to uh, what God is going to do in the new year. So many wonderful things as we look forward to it, but we're going to enjoy these decorations. Thank you, men, the men that put the decorations up. Usually you would not think of that as men's doing, but they did it. They did a good job of it. Let's give them a round of applause. Good job, men. Appreciate it. All right. And in the month of January, we observe Sanctity of Life, and we will have a special project, and you can cast your vote in a very meaningful way for life for these little ones as we think about it. All right. Now, I am so glad that you've come today. And how many of you have your Bibles? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? 
Amen. I often say, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. So if you'd like to join me, let's say that. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I say, I believe there are no errors in it. I believe there are no errors in it. And then I say, and God helping me, and God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. I'm going to try to obey it. The Bible is our rule, our guidebook for life. And it is the final authority that we have for faith and practice. On the bulletin, it says, O little town of Bethlehem. And I'm thinking about right now that song. And Philip Brooks, who in the 1800s, as a great preacher, traveled to that part of the world and looked at that scene at night and saw a quiet little town where Jesus came to earth and was born because his parents had gone there as the, uh, the hometown of, uh, of their ancestors and uh, under the rules of, of census and taxation, they had to be there. She was great with child. She was carrying the baby Jesus and they had to take a very difficult journey. And as they traveled, they came to the little town kind of nondescript in those days. Now, this time of year, usually there are a lot of of travelers and tourists around there because of the Christmas season. But in those days, it was only full because people had come by force, by law, to pay their taxes. And uh, that had to be difficult and challenging. Uh, They didn't have credit cards or telephones, and they couldn't call ahead, and there was no place. There was no room for them in the inn, which was the place where the public would come to stay overnight and get in from the elements and so there was no place, but the innkeeper showed uh, compassion and said, I, I, it's not very nice, but it's where we keep the animals. It's a, it's a stable-like uh, uh, affair. And, and we believe, according to the architecture of the day, it was built under kind of like the main floor of another structure, and that's where Mary was when she gave birth to the baby Jesus. Last week, we talked about joy. And uh, what a stark contrast between joy and, and telling people uh, the wonderful story of Jesus Christ and thinking about the quiet little town. What a, what a different setting that was. Uh, when, I think of, when I think of Bethlehem, I think of it being small and being out of the way and being kind of quiet. And I've met people that were that way as well. Their life seemed to be that way. And yet, what... Uh, What little things have produced great results? We think about the baby Jesus for an example. We also think about various people who nobody thought they would ever become anything, but they did. And by the grace of God, they were used by God or they were allowed by God in this world to make an impact. The same is true for you as well today. You might say, I'm I'm not well known. doesn't have to be. You don't need to have worldwide fame to make a difference. You don't have to be the smartest, the best, the best looking. You don't have to be the most popular. In fact, God uses the, uh, the somewhat obscure in order to honor and glorify Himself. Turn with me, if you would, please, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, a passage of Scripture that we have referred to many times in the past. But a passage of Scripture that gives hope to all of us. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1, 1 Corinthians And chapter number 1, and beginning at verse 18, For the preaching of the cross, that's why Jesus came, to seek and to save the lost, to die on the cross, 
is to them that perish foolishness. People who don't have any time for something as obscure as a, a man from a carpenter's shop who was an itinerant preacher for three and a half years being crucified by the Romans. They don't have time. It was 2,000 years ago. What should that matter to me? Well, Jesus came for you. He came for me. He came to pay the debt of your sin and mine. He came to give us a brand new life. Not just something that you work up, but something that He imparts, that He gives new life. Uh, Jesus Christ came into this world to change things, and He did. That one solitary life, uh, so obscure to the rest of the world, has changed everybody's life, and everybody's hope is because of that one solitary life. He came into the world. He came unto His own uh, but they didn't know Him. They didn't acknowledge Him. And so as many as received Him to them, gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. I'm glad there was a Calvary, but I'm glad before that there was a Galilee and a Judea. And I'm glad that there was a Savior, Jesus Christ, whose, uh, whose mom and uh, whose legal father traveled all the way from Galilee down to Judea to a little town, old little town of Bethlehem. And there, the most wonderful thing happened. God became a man. He robed Himself in flesh, yet without sin, to become our substitute, to take your place, to pay your penalty, and to be your Savior. And He wants to come into your life and make you brand new from the inside out. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says that that thing that is considered foolishness to ordinary folks is unto us which are saved the power of God. That's our source. That is the basis for our becoming and doing what God wants us to be and to do in life. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. It doesn't matter what you put up against this wonderful narrative of Jesus Christ coming to answer the universal need of mankind. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us needs a Savior. Not one of us is righteous. No, not one. There is no way we can work our way uh, into God's good favor, but rather to receive His Son. And that's it. Whoever, get, whoever takes the Son gets life. Whoever gets life has it forever. That's what the Bible says. And so when we put aside everything else, all of the wisdom and all of the understanding and all of the accumulated knowledge of mankind, it all comes down to this. Either you've got Jesus Christ or you haven't. And if you've got Jesus Christ, you've got eternal life. But if you haven't, you don't have it. And you don't have hope for it. You have nothing in your future that looks bright. You have nothing of the good and the joyful of this season to look forward to until Jesus Christ resides in your heart and life and sits on the throne of your life. Well, you see your calling, brethren. Verse 26. How that not many wise men after the flesh, nor many mighty, nor many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. It goes on and it speaks about various categories. Whatever you think it takes to make it in this world, whatever logic you employ, it's the exact opposite of God. God's economy is different from my economy. God's way of thinking is different from, 
from uh, my way of thinking. You see, there's a difference. His ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah says, and it's absolutely true. And so when you begin to despise the day of small things, you're despising the things that God chooses to use. I think about the Reese family in California. I had a bus route in the high desert of Southern California, and God blessed that bus route. We would run up and down the sandy roads and knock on every door, and I knocked on the Reese door for one full year plus before the children came, and after they came, they got saved, and then mom and dad came, and they got saved, and, and you might say, what could possibly come of a contact like that on a bus route? Why, well, I tell you what, not only did the kids get saved, and praise God for that, not only did the parents get saved, and praise God for that, but they became the bus captains on that route. Who hath to despise the day of small things? You never know what God's going to do. That little boy, that little girl in your Sunday school class, that little boy, that little girl who come on your bus might be the very means of bringing many, many souls to the Savior. They can please God where they are as they receive the free gift of eternal life and share it with others. They're not the only ones. I, I think of, I think of uh, another family... I think of a family up in Pennsylvania, the Prentice family. And uh, it's amazing because Brad Prentice now uh, works in the piano company that services our keyboards. But uh, Brad Prentice was just a little boy. I think he was five going on six. And uh, uh, did, didn't, didn't they give his small bike when he outgrew it to, to Brad? Yeah, I thought so. And uh, they... Uh, they were one to Christ. I, I won them to Christ. They came on the bus route. And uh, the, the kids and the parents got saved. And, and in the course of time, in fact, it was pretty quick, they became the bus captains on that bus route. See, it's amazing what God can do. But you've you got to believe what God can do. You've got to have faith in the plan of God. And the plan of God is that He doesn't want any of us to stagnate or stay where we are. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's want, God wants people to be saved. God wants people to come to Him through Christ. So last week we talked about this joy. You can't keep it inside. you got to let it out. But it was kind of a quiet night in Bethlehem, and a baby's cry broke the silence. And the God who had spoken everything into existence came into this world as a tiny infant. And there kept warm by mom. And there in the surroundings, so very crude and simple, the Son of God began His journey. It did not end at a cross but went by way of the cross. He looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the shame. He looked beyond the disgrace. For whosoever hangeth upon a tree shall be condemned, shall be disgraced, shall be... I mean, it's a terrible thing to think about, but He did it for you and He did it for me. Our sins were taken upon Himself. He who knew no sin became the sin offering of this world. Don't despise the day of small things. The little baby... Jesus grew up to be the, the Lamb of God, the, the God-man, 
The one who, who taught and touched and healed and made a difference and then went to a cross and He showed us how to live and how to die. He showed us how to live in the power of resurrection after He rose from the grave and He taught those disciples in a crash course of 40 days. I'm going to go. Let not your heart be troubled, he said. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So how does this apply? We know the great things that come from the simple and basic. But... How does this work? I think anything that makes a difference in your life and mine might be suggested out here, but we have to internalize truth. It's not enough for you to know that there is a Savior. You need to know the Savior. Amen. It's not enough to know that there is the abundant life. You need to know and experience the abundant life. It's not enough just to know the facts of the Bible. You need to experience the truth and the life of the Bible. And God has provided this personalizing because we are not just a body, but we are a spirit and a soul possessing a body. And God can reach us, and He wants to speak to us today. And right now, that still small voice, He's saying, listen to what that man has to say. Here it is. First of all, I believe the most desirable life is a simple, godly life lived before family and friends and this lost world. Anything else that you might attempt to gain somebody's attention is going to fall under the category at the very least of being secondary, if not in fact unnecessary. All God wants from you and me is our life to be like a vessel dedicated and consecrated to Him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, God wants our life to be dedicated to Him. And if you'll give yourself completely to Him, He'll fill your life to overflowing, and you will never be the same. This is the desirable life. Not something else. Not that plus something else. But that. That's the desirable life. Anything and everything else must be seen through the prism of that new life in Christ and the abundant life which is available to everybody who's experienced new life in Christ. That's what you need. See, man, I want to get this. I want to pursue this. Isn't it amazing that the devil has turned around Christmas for himself and his own purposes? to get people to revel and to become so drunk out of their minds they don't even know what they're doing and not think about eternity. Isn't it amazing that the devil has turned this thing around and upside down on its ear because uh, people just think they've got to run out and get this and they've got to buy that and they've got, they need one more thing and then they need another thing and then they need another thing. And the time of year when we ought to be thinking in terms of simple, basic, godly living Christians, those who claim to be saved, are acting like they're not saved. Because we're so crazy with hustle and bustle and hurry, we don't have time for the things that really matter for eternity.
quiet in here because what I'm speaking is the absolute 24 karat authentic gold truth. This is it. We don't need the other stuff. We don't need the cluttered schedule. We just need to get basic with Jesus. We need to get alone with God. And then God has provided that we can have family and friends around us. And guess what? If you see, Just look for the one that's doing this. And I'm not making fun of somebody that's got Parkinson's or Parkinson's syndrome. I'm just saying the person who at other times can do this, and around Christmas they're doing this, you know? Do you know anybody like that that's wired like that? When they sit down, they do this. You know anybody like that? I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but they give it away. They give it away because they're wired so tensely, so tightly. You just stop, stop, stop. Okay, preacher, I'll do it. I'll stop going to church. I didn't say that. Our schedule is really reasonable. We don't have that many activities. That many services. Got enough to keep you out of trouble. That's all you need. Amen. Enough to share the good news. Enough to equip you to share the good news. That's what it's all about. But we need to go for the simple, godly life lived before family and friends and this lost world. Amen. Number two. I trust that these practical suggestions are going to help you. There's something very desirable about a simple witness. When I started to win souls, I was scared to death. How many of you believe that? Raise your hands. I was scared to death. Now, maybe that terminology scared to death is not correct, but it paints a picture for you. I want a visual. I'm still... You say, after all these years, after all these souls, after all that, that's right. And so God has provided what has been called by Ford Porter, one of the great tract writers of the 20th century. You might have seen it. It's called God's Simple Plan of Salvation. You've seen it? God's Simple Plan of Salvation. I think the outside is kind of a, a light rose colored. God's Simple Plan of of salvation. You know, God's plan of salvation is simple. Now there are, there is a slice of Christianity that thinks it's more spiritual to throw in 500 verses when you're winning someone to Christ. They think it's more spiritual when you use big technological, uh, theological terms from seminary when you're winning people to Jesus. But Daquan, we know that's not the case. You'll, you'll, uh, I mean, you'll leave them in the dust. Remember what John Rice said. He said, Jesus never said, feed my giraffes. He said, feed my sheep. So you keep the jam and the jelly on the lower shelf where everybody can get to it. Now that makes good sense. The reason our preaching is so basic is because God didn't call me to preach, you know, into the, the stratosphere. God called me to preach so that every person, young and old, new and established, would understand the basic truth. 
I can't get me to heaven. You can't get you to heaven. And nobody can get anybody else to heaven except Jesus can. That's it. Everybody understand that? That's right. This church can't get you to heaven. Now, you can find Christ in this church building when you meet with God's people, His church. But this church can't get you to heaven. And those people that help win you to Christ are just pointing you in the right direction and they're sharing it. So, here's what I'm saying. Most desirable, in addition to a simple godly life that's lived, how about a simple witness for Jesus Christ? How about a basic plan of salvation? Proverbs says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Valuable. God is not looking for us to be silver-tongued orators or eloquent. We ought to do our best. First time I ever led someone to Christ, I got my tang all tangled. Came to the end, I did something I teach you not to do. I said, you wouldn't want to get saved, would you? You wouldn't want to ask Jesus in your heart, would you? They said, yes. Because the Holy Spirit unscrambled it. Holy Spirit knew my heart. Now, hopefully I've gotten a little better at it. But still, pit-a-pat. <laughs> ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. Still that way. It has been said of people who are on the stage, actors and actresses, if they ever get over their stage fright totally, they should give it up. They should hang it up. There has to be a little bit of that. If you don't have a little bit of butterflies, when you hear the thousands of people in the stands that are cheering and you come out of that stadium and you get out on that field to play that game of football or out on that court to play that game of basketball, if that doesn't get a rise out of you and, and get the adrenaline flowing, you're probably not going to bring your best game. you got to have that. you got to have that. you got to have a little bit of that nervousness going on. That's it. And when we go soul winning and we share Jesus at Christmas time, we've got to have a little bit of that going on if we're going to bring our A game. We're going to tell people about Jesus. When you set up your nativity, now, that's entirely up to you. There are some people whose preferences don't include a nativity because it reminds them of a religious organization you used to go to that had statues all over the wall. So, you know, if that's your... If that's your preference, then you go with that. But our preference is to use it as a teaching tool for the little ones. I can just hear James when he comes to our house. And he says, that's the shepherds. Or however he's going to say the word. That's the shepherds. Or he's going to say, that's the baby Jesus. Because he can already tell you why Jesus came. Came to save us. We have to ask him in our heart. He can already tell you that. And it's a teaching tool. That's it. Now, if you choose not to have one because it smacks of that religious organization you came out of, then don't have one. Same thing is true of a tree. Now, people who try to make the tree in Jeremiah, the tree, the Christmas tree, and make it evil, uh, I, I hate to tell them it's a palm tree in Jeremiah. It's not an evergreen. It was Martin Luther, way back in the, in the middle centuries, who set up uh, an evergreen tree, and he said it was a reminder of everlasting life. It was a symbol. That was his Now, if you're against trees, and, and listen, you shouldn't spend all your time on decorations and extras, 
But if that tree reminds you that you've got eternal life through Jesus Christ, there's only one way to get it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then you go on, have your tree. We're not preaching against Christmas trees. We're not preaching against nativity scenes. We are preaching about keeping it simple. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yep. And we need to share it with everybody. When they say, oh, you've got your house beautifully decorated. Don't stop there. Say, you know, as privileged as we feel to live in this house and decorate it, can't wait till we go to our final home. When, when they talk about how it's decked out, you say, wait till you see me in my new home. Whoa. Got a mansion on Glory Road, all right? Amen. And the street out front is gold. Think about it. There's a crystal sea, crystal river. Perfect. I mean, just like glass. Think about it. I can't wrap my brain around it. Do you think God has given us some basic things down here to remind us about those great things we're going to experience up there? Do you think He's told us in the Word of God some things that we can simply share with others that they can understand on this level? We can put the jam and the jelly down there. We're not going after the giraffes. We're going after the sheep. Amen. So that's it. Simple. Little town of Bethlehem. Simple. Simple. But not only that, if you're putting this down, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. This is a very practical message. All right. Not only... A simple witness, like Jesus spoke, in most cases, thoughtful, soft, gentle. Blessed are the peacemakers. We know all about that. Uh, a, a, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Not only that, but it's very desirable. This season of the year, it's a time of commitment, a time of decision. A simple response. A simple decision to obey God rather than men. We're looking at a new year. How are we going to live? I think about Francis Schaeffer and the old VHS series, How Then Shall We Live? Uh, Francis Schaeffer came on the scene. He burst on the scene in the 1960s. He was a philosopher. A lot of preachers up until that point didn't think much about philosophy, but Francis Schaeffer put the shoe on the other foot and helped us to understand the why and the wherefore behind what mankind is about and why we think and do as we think and do. But Francis Schaeffer asked the questions, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? In view of the Word of God, in view of what Christ has done for us, in view of the great debt that was paid for us, how then shall we live? And everybody initially says, oh, I want to do something. I want to do something really big, something really great. That isn't how it works. Do the simple, basic thing that he's speaking to your heart about through the Word of God. Do that. What's the secret of success, preacher? Well, I can't say that I'm totally a success in every area of my life, but let me suggest the secret of success is do the first thing God tells you to do. And when you've done that, 
Keep on doing it if it's one of those things, then do the second. And if it's a, one of those things you keep on, keep on doing that, then do the third. And do the next and the next. You say, you make it seem so simple. That's the way it ought to be. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's where you start. And all they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You need to be baptized, join the church. And then, here's what happens. At the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit imparted to you spiritual gift or gifts. There are 19 of them in the Bible. Some of them are apostolic. They're not for us now. But uh, there are some speaking and serving gifts that are listed there. And you need to talk to the preacher or talk to somebody that's got some experience in the Word and find those lists of those gifts and discover what your spiritual gift is and then develop it under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God in the local church so that you might go out from the local church and serve the one who gave everything for you and me. This is simple. This is basic. How am I successful? Do the first thing. Get saved. Number two, get baptized. Get into the church, discover your gifts, start serving the Lord. One, two, three. That's it. Would you like to do that? How about you out there that are viewing this broadcast? Wouldn't you like to do that? Listen, it's just as simple as I have laid it out. I was reading in the CLA uh, paper that comes out. It's called The Legal Alert. The truth of Christmas, it is easy to get caught up in the whirlwind of activities during the Christmas season. It's easy. I mean, it starts out with, you know, dum bump 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 That's got so many words in it, I don't know any of them. But, um, you know, all those little things, those little items, those little ornaments, all those little, you know, extras. And all we need is... Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. His name is wonderful. His name is Jesus. He was the one who came to earth and was born as a baby in the little simple quiet town of Bethlehem. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, that message on the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the Christian life resonated with me. It spoke to my heart. Put your hands up high all across the auditorium. I see hands raised. God bless you. I know it did. I know it did. Maybe today you want to slip out from where you are when the music starts to play and come down to the front and sit on the front or kneel at the front and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for making it so complex and so busy and help me to keep it simple and right and godly. Maybe today the Spirit of God spoke to you about a simple witnessing. Let's make Jesus Christ the center of our life, of our Christmas, of our family, Let's make Him the center of our witnessing. Instead of a long, complex, and difficult journey, let's make it simply, it's a straight shot to Jesus. And how many folks can we tell that to before it's too late? Maybe you want to come and 
kneel down and have a word of prayer and say, Lord, you've got me from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm going to ask you this. If while I've been speaking, you realized that you do not know for sure beyond any doubt that if you died, you'd go to heaven. And you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I want you to do this right now. Young or old, anywhere in between. If you're not 100% sure that heaven is your home, would you pray from your heart to God right now? And pray silently. Here it is. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. As my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. If you just prayed that prayer, and you meant it. You prayed it to God from your heart and you meant it. Would you raise your hand right now? Would you put your hand up with me right now? If you prayed that prayer and you meant it. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. All right. How many of you today are thinking of somebody? You don't know if they're saved or you're pretty certain they haven't received Jesus. And you'd like to see them come to Jesus during this Christmas season. Put your hands up high. Let's stand to our feet with heads bowed, eyes closed. Lord, I pray that you'll help us right now. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to keep it simple. Help us to be correct and scriptural, but to keep it simple. Bless us now, I pray, for every person who's going to step out and pray about that simple godly life, about that simple witness for Jesus Christ, uh, about uh, the, the, the simplicity of this season of the year. I pray that you might help us in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed. We're going to sing just as I am. Won't you?